You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. I said at the beginning of the service, and I'm not sure if you caught it, that we are living in the best time in history. And I believe that because of the advancement of the gospel is more real and more palatable uh, and more possible today than ever in history. And I believe that Jesus is coming soon. And, uh, and I'm excited about that. And uh, part of that is knowing God's Word and what God's Word says and how it's important to us and putting it into practice in our lives. And we've been tracking through the book of John for weeks now. And we have made our way to John chapter, you tell me, 16. All right, some of you have been paying attention. All right, good. We're taking a chapter a week, and today we're in John 16. You can turn there with me. And today we're going to try to tackle the first half of the chapter, which is really creates a topic of the Holy Spirit. And I understand that a lot of non-believers and even believers don't really understand the Holy Spirit completely. In fact, even the most seasoned believer among us, I would say that there's room for growth in regards to understanding who the Holy Spirit is. Would you agree? And that's important. It's easy sometimes to think of God the Father, right? Each of us have a Father, whether we're connected to them or not, uh, but we understand what a Father looks like. And then when it comes to the Son, Jesus Christ, uh, we understand what it means to be a son or a daughter, and we can kind of get our mind around that, especially as we're tracking through the Gospel of John, which is all about explaining who Jesus is, right? He is the Son of God. He's the Most High God. And, uh, and so we, we can get that in our mind. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, how many know it's a little more difficult to understand, at least at first look. And not only is it difficult to understand the Holy Spirit in its entirety, but there are some abuses that some churches and ministries will kind of uh, abuse the Holy Spirit topic and with kind of bizarre or maybe emotional uh, or that God told me this and God told me that and, and can kind of bring kind of an unbiblical or an unverifiable sense of who the Holy Spirit is. And because of that, a lot of pastors, a lot of churches, they stay away from the topic because of fear and just because of some of the unknown. Now, we are a Pentecostal church. And if you're a guest with us this morning and didn't realize that, our mission, we are a spirit-filled church committed to glorifying God by connecting the people of Lakeshore with God, with each other, and with the world. It's on our wall out when he first came in. Uh, we are a spirit-filled church, unashamed, right? But what happens even sometimes in a Pentecostal church, it's all about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or there's an emphasis on speaking in tongues, and we make that sometimes the most significant thing. And I just wanted you to know that speaking in tongues is important, but it's not the most important role or the activity of the Holy Spirit. It's just not. And what's interesting is that the Holy Spirit, He, and I say that very intentionally, He is so much more than just speaking in tongues or the gifts of the Spirit. He is not scary. In fact, you cannot live 
a Christian life without the Holy Spirit. That's the truth. And there's a depth to the Holy Spirit to discover. And to this morning, we're going to try to tackle a small bit and put another notch in our belt, so to speak, when it comes to this topic of the Holy Spirit. Now, in John 16, let me give you a little context for those that are new with us this morning. Give you a little history lesson here. Jesus has been with his disciples at this point for a few different or for a few chapters now. They were in the upper room. It was the Last Supper discourse. And now the disciples have moved and they're on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus ultimately would be betrayed. He'd be taken to trial and ultimately uh, crucified on a cross. We're talking just hours away from all that happening. And, And Jesus at this point is sharing with his disciples what is about to happen or what is going to come. And so he comes, we come to chapter 16, verse 1. And what he wants to make sure at this point is that the disciples, that they are not going to fall away. I want to actually look at uh, verse 25 uh, and then verse 32 quick. And uh, that's the most we're going to get in the second half of the chapter for now. It says, though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when, and say when, the when is now and it's about to happen, when I will no longer use this kind of language, but I will tell you plainly about my father. Verse 32, it says again, a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered, each of, to, of you, to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am alone. I'm not alone, for my Father is with me. And so he's saying, he's preparing them in this discourse on his way to the garden. He's explaining about what's coming. And in verse 1, turn back to verse 1, it says this. It says, all this for two or three chapters now, I have told you so that you will not fall away. He's preparing the disciples because it's about to get really messy. And he's wanting to make sure that the disciples don't miss it and just bolt and take off. And he says in verse 2, he says, they will put you out of the synagogue. Now for us in our culture, if someone's kicked out of a church, how many know there's a few other churches in town, you just find yourself in another church. Well, in that day, there was one synagogue for the city, right? To be kicked out of the synagogue was a big deal. You're out of the family. You're out of the family of faith. And you become somewhat of a social leper. And he's saying, they will put you out of the synagogue. He's preparing his disciples for what's to come. He says, the time is coming, verse 2, when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. The disciples are saying, what? We're going to be killed, right? He's preparing them. And what I love here is that it doesn't say if you get killed. It says when you get killed. Jesus doesn't hide the cost of following him. And I would just say this. It's important for us not to hide the cost of what it takes to follow Jesus here just to fill seats either. There is a cost that comes. Verse 3, continue. It says, They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this at the beginning because you wouldn't have stayed. No, uh, because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent, sent me. 
None of you ask, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. And the disciples would have. Put yourself in their shoes. They've been with him for three years, and now he's saying he's going. And now he's saying, we're going to be kicked out of the synagogue, and there's going to be turmoil, there's going to be trouble. And they're saying, what's going on here, right? And some of us are going to be killed? Am I sure? And and then he says this, but very truly, verse 7, very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. We studied that word advocate a couple weeks ago when we studied chapter 14. That word advocate can be translated as helper or defense attorney or a comforter. The comforter will come. And what it's describing is the Holy Spirit. Turn to your neighbor and says, today's about the Holy Spirit. It is. And we're going to kind of tackle this. And I want to give you just a quick lesson of Scripture, the Holy Spirit's activity. This will be quick and brief. And you could go for days and months and probably years to studying the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Um, But let me just give you an idea that the Holy Spirit was around at creation. Did you know? It says right in Genesis 1 that the Spirit was hovering over the waters, right? Over the firmament or the, the emptiness, the Spirit was there. In Exodus, the Spirit came upon Beziel when uh, they were building, the, giving him the plans for the, for the temple, which is exciting. Uh, in Numbers 11, the Spirit of God was upon uh, the leaders there when they were picking the 70 leaders to help Moses. And uh, the Spirit came upon Moses and helped in that process. In Judges, the Holy Spirit helped Gideon and Samson and a whole list of other prophets and and leaders. In 1 Samuel, the Holy Spirit helped Saul. And sometimes Saul gets a bad rap, and he should because at the end of his life, he kind of self-destructed. But at the beginning of his life, the beginning of his reign, the Holy Spirit was there, came upon him, and really was a blessing to Saul. And in 1 Samuel as well, we see the Holy Spirit uh, very evident in David's life during his anointing. And when it says that in each of these cases, the Holy Spirit came upon the individual. And I love that. Now, in the New Testament, we kind of skip forward here a little bit. What's the book in the Bible when you think of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament that kind of comes to mind? The book of Acts, right? Luke and Acts were written by, uh, by Luke, uh, and we think of that. But what's great is that the Holy Spirit is not just limited to the book of Acts, and I'm getting somewhere here. In, in the book of John that we've been studying, there have been bits and pieces of the Holy Spirit all along the way. Let me give you a couple examples. In John chapter 3, verse 6, Nicodemus is there. And the Holy Spirit is the one who is drawing Nicodemus and, and is described as the one who draws us to Christ. The Holy Spirit's active there. In uh, chapter 3, verse 34, the Holy Spirit gives testimony. Chapter 4, verse 24, we see the great verse of of spirit and in truth. Uh, Turn with me to to chapter 7 really quick. Um, If you flip back a few uh, chapters, chapter 7, verses 38 and 39 says this. It says, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of water will flow from within them. How many know that sounds pretty good, right? And then it explains, what does that mean? Rivers of water flowing inside of me. 
Look at verse 20, uh, 39. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. And so there's this promise that the Spirit was coming, and it would be like rivers of water flowing through the individual. I love that. Uh, also in chapter 14, verse 16, which we studied a couple weeks ago, but the advocate, that, that's that word, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you about all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. There's so much to learn about the Holy Spirit. And so what I want you to see here is that even in the book of John, which is really about describing who Jesus is, the Holy Spirit is there. And the Holy Spirit, the topic is there. And today we're going to see it loud and clear. Let's look, starting in verse 7, chapter 16, verse 7. I'm going to read the rest of the, this discourse. It says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away, unless I go away. The advocate, we could say the Holy Spirit, right, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. But when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about Sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can hear or more than you can bear. But when he, the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will speak on... He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, will receive from me what he will make known to you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for these great words and for this great opportunity to learn about who you are, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I pray over these next few moments, God, that you'd prepare our hearts to not only understand, but to receive and to experience your Holy Spirit. And God, I just believe that you have ordained today to do just that. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. I think there's six things, six, I would say, incredible things that the Holy Spirit does that are outlined here in these few verses. And I want to just talk about these for a few moments. I believe the first thing that we see here is that the Holy Spirit comes to help us. The Holy Spirit comes to help us. Let's look at verse 7. It says, But very I truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away unless I go. The Holy Spirit will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. How many have heard the statement that if God is for us, who can be against us, right? I believe that's the pattern of Scripture, that God is for us. And part of that is he gives us the Holy Spirit. In verse 5, he says, I'm going to the Father. But now in 7, he says, I promise I will send the Holy Spirit. The truth is, is that the Holy Spirit lives inside of the believer. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 
verse 19. You know the verse, perhaps? It says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? In other words, the Holy Spirit resides in believers. He lives inside of you. Who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You are not your own. The Holy Spirit is in you. And what I love is in the New Testament, there's a distinction, a shift, that God is in you, not just with you anymore. And I was thinking about it. There's a difference between being in and being just with. See, we could be in a room with a great table, a feast, just think of Thanksgiving or think of a, you know, a great holiday celebration, maybe July 4th coming up, and just an incredible spread that's, that all the food is right there. It's all with us, right? But how many know it's better to get it in you? <laughs> and, uh, and that's what it is with the Holy Spirit. In the Holy Spirit, he'd come, He would come upon, He'd kind of be with, with the leaders, but now God is in us. And really, the application or the, uh, the takeaway here for us, I believe, is that you are not alone. And I think this is important for you here. I think it's a word from the Lord. You are not alone. You may feel alone. You may have no one close to you at work or at your home or within your family. But He, the Holy Spirit, is with you. He's the advocate, and he never leaves you. He'll never forsake you. And the promise is, and what we see here, is that the Holy Spirit comes to help. He comes to help you. He comes to help me. But there's a second thing, that the Holy Spirit comes, and not only he comes, but he convicts unbelievers regarding sin. I think this is important. Holy Spirit convicts unbelievers, verse 8 it says this, when he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will prove, that word there is kind of conviction, he will prove or convict the world to be uh, in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. The idea here, then you can kind of skip to verse 9, about sin, because people do not believe in me. It's important that the Holy Spirit, he is drawing people to himself unbelievers, before they have the word of God. Because as believers, we know we have the word that speaks to us and brings life and, it's, and brings power, right? The Holy Spirit. But to an unbeliever, to someone that's lost, doesn't know Jesus, the Holy Spirit is pursuing them. Kind of like he was hovering in Genesis, he hovers over us, not in a nagging way, not in a creepy way, not in this desire to kind of smear our lives, but in a loving and in a gentle way. The Holy Spirit is there and he is hovering and with unbelievers in particular, he's drawing people to Jesus. And if you're an unbeliever today, if you're on that journey kind of coming to and maybe the light bulbs are coming on, I want you to know today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. I declare it. And I don't declare it because of my persuasive power, if I had any. I be declare it because the Holy Spirit is drawing you. And He's drawing your guests He's drawing your family that are lost. You've got to know that. The Holy Spirit, one of his roles, one of the things he does best is he draws unbelievers to Jesus. 
There's another thing. The Holy Spirit convinces believers of their righteousness in Christ. Let's look at it. Again, we'll start in verse 8. When He comes, He will prove the world, or He will convince the world, right, to be wrong in about... Uh, in the wrong about sin and righteousness. Verse 10, about righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. What's interesting here, I think, is that he's talking to the disciples now. Did you see the switch there? In verse 9, he's saying to the world about sin because people did not believe. He's talking to unbelievers or about unbelievers. But here, he says, where you, he's talking to his disciples, can see me no longer. And he's saying here that the Holy Spirit comes and he convinces us of our righteousness. He convinces us of our standing with who Jesus is. That is good news. You are the righteousness of God. What that means, and you need to know this, is that your past sins, your present sin, and your future sin have all been forgiven. Let me say that again. Your past sin, your present sin, and even the sin of the future is already covered. You say, are you sure about that? Well, I sure hope so, because there may be a sin of omission at some point, or we may be going down the road and, and we, we um, you know, get in an accident, or you know, our life is taken from us instantly, and if we haven't been, you know, had confession or said, Lord, forgive me, is that how it works? I don't think so. Your past sins, your present and your future sins have been forgiven if you've given your heart to Jesus. And the takeaway there for me is that the good news is that it doesn't depend on you. And thank the Lord. And you say, well, I don't feel all that forgiven, right? Well, turn to Romans chapter 8. I would love to tie Romans chapter 8 with John chapter 16 here for a moment. Look at it with me. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 1. It says, therefore, there is no now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. Because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weak, it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of, of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that righteous, the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met 100% in us who do not live according to the flesh, that's us, but according to the Spirit. We should live according to the Spirit. I like what it says in verse 14, that same chapter. I'd love to read all of it, but we won't take the time. It says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. There's an identity that comes, right? And then in verse 16, it says, The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are righteous, that we are the children of God. And it's not our righteousness. It's not our right doing. It's not our even right believing. It's our right standing in who Jesus is. We are righteous. We're covered by the blood of Jesus. And God help us to understand that. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He convinces us that we're righteous. 
you are righteous. If you've got Jesus on the inside, there's nothing holding you back. You are covered with righteousness. Well, there's a fourth thing. We need to keep on moving. The Holy Spirit reminds us of Satan's defeat. Let's look at it. Verse uh, 8 and 9, uh, or 8 and 11. Verse 8 says this, When he comes, he will prove, right, the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and then judgment. And then verse 11, And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. We might look at the world and think, man, this world is crazy. And sometimes it is. We may think that there's a lostness, a hopelessness. In fact, what's interesting, even this morning in pre-service prayer, Josh and I were praying, and Josh just felt that that God was bringing hope to us today. And just from a prophetic word, and, and I believe that, and it's in my notes here, the, the world may look hopeless, but we understand that the Holy Spirit, part of his job is to remind us of Satan's defeat, that he is defeated, that God's plan wins. And it's, I also like this, that you know when we read this, um, verse, verse 8 and 11 again, let's, let's look at this, because it's not our good works, it's not, oh, I'm a good guy, let's look at it in that light, when he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong in, about judgment, what does the world say about judgment? Oh, if you're good enough, you'll be okay, right? Or if you, if you do certain things, if you give, or if you watch your tongue, or if you don't cuss too much, or if you, uh, you know, don't look at pornography, or if you don't uh, you know, swindle all your money, uh, or if you don't gamble, or whatever, the, whatever it is, right? You don't get drunk, right? Whatever it is, then, then I'm okay. That's what the world would say in regards to judgment. But we know that our identity comes from Jesus. The Holy Spirit reminds us that Satan is defeated and nothing. And it goes back to that previous point that we are righteous. We are righteous. And what good news, what hope that brings to us. And I just want to say uh, from, a, from a takeaway point that it is about our identity with who we are in Christ. And I want to just say, don't be on the losing team. Amen? Amen. Two more, and then we're going to worship, and we're going to just set our hearts before the Lord. The Holy Spirit, number five, He guides us into truth. Let's look at it. Moving on, verse 12. It says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when He, the Holy Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. That word guide there gives an idea like a compass uh, in understanding the terrain. If you can just put your mind around Google Maps and yeah, Google Maps, it kind of gives you the, the way, but it's not only just the streets the right way, but it's like the satellite view that shows some of the elevation and, and, uh, and it's a beautiful picture that the Holy Spirit is guiding us through our lives. The idea here is that when you're tempted, he shows you the way out. And not only that, he, when you read scripture, he guides you. He inspires his own word. The Holy Spirit illuminates scripture to us. And with that, I want to say, you better be reading 
and rereading this book because it's the power of God and it will help you. The God the Father says, I want my sons and daughters to know this. He says, I will guide them through the Holy Spirit to love and to knowledge and to practice. Look at John 14, 26. It says, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send, be sent in my name, will teach you all things. He will remind you of everything that he said. When you get God's word into your spirit, it'll come back to you. And the Holy Spirit is the one that illuminates it. And he does that. That's one of his roles. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says, However, as it is written... No eye has seen, no ear has heard, right? No, of what no human mind can conceive. There are things in this world that we cannot get our minds around. The things God has prepared for those who love him, for people like Laura who are stepping out in faith and taking a, an incredible journey, taking a youth pastor position. It says these are the things that God has revealed to us. He reveals his plan, the things that we can't get our minds around. He reveals them, how? By his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And church, I just want you, and I want for me, to be open to what the Holy Spirit wants. I want you to be listening to what the Holy Spirit wants to say. And there's a lot of noise in this world that distracts us. But I want you to know that God, He will break through all the noise and He'll speak to our hearts if we will listen. And the Holy Spirit, He's guiding us. He does that. That's one of His great roles. Aren't you thankful for that? There's one more thing. The Holy Spirit glorifies Christ to us. He glorifies Christ to us. Us. Verse 14 in John chapter 16 says this, He, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, that's Jesus, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. They're working together, right, in perfect unity. All that the belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Holy Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Church, the Holy Spirit, the greatest role he has, I believe, is to show us Jesus. He shows us Jesus over and over and over. And when we see Jesus, I want you to know, it changes us. When we see Jesus, it does something on the inside. The Spirit magnifies Christ. I want you to just imagine that in your mind. It's like a big magnifying glass. He just exalts Jesus, makes it bigger. It's kind of like Isaiah's encounter at the beginning of Isaiah, uh, where Isaiah steps up and says, I saw the Lord. He was seated on the throne, high and lifted up. And he went from that moment where there was an encounter with the Holy Spirit, with God, and things were different in Isaiah's life. It was incredible. It changed him radically. Let's turn to one more verse to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says this. It says, And we all, 
who will unveil with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I love that because the idea is that the Holy Spirit is helping us. He's illuminating Christ in our lives. And my prayer is that there would be open hearts here and across the lakeshore, open hearts to the Lord, that there would be people that would let Him work inside of them. Because, and this is the recap, and then we're going to worship. We're going to spend some time here in, in worship and just in response. The Holy Spirit is calling unbelievers to salvation. And so we need to let Him live inside of us. If you're an unbeliever today, please don't walk out of these doors without getting your heart and your life right with God. And we're going to give you an opportunity in a moment. The Holy Spirit is reminding believers of their standing, their righteousness. And let Him remind you of that this morning. Amen? It's not your goodness. It's Him. It's all the Holy Spirit's work. We want to be reminded of Satan's defeat. We want to be, the Holy Spirit is also guiding you into all truth. And our hearts need to be open. Our eyes to be seeing. Our ears to be listening. And the Holy Spirit is glorifying Jesus. And Josh, if you could come at this point. The, when we talk about Him glorifying Jesus, we need to let Him make Jesus be more real in our lives this morning, wherever you are. You say, why is it so important? It really boils down to this for me, so that you may increasingly look like the one who died for you. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit for you. He did. And so we can receive that. We can experience that. And that's what we want to take just a moment to contemplate. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. That first point is that the Holy Spirit, He draws unbelievers. And when I say unbeliever, I'm not knocking you. I'm not trying to drag you down. Or maybe you were serving God at one point, and now you're, you're saying, man, I need to get my life right with God again. In either, in either case, the Holy Spirit lovingly, not in a nagging way, He's drawing you. And I, my guess is you sense that. You feel that. And if that's you this morning, today is your day to respond. We've been praying for you. And so I'm just curious, who here this morning, with just a show of hand, just raise your hand saying, you know, I need to receive Jesus this morning and respond to the Holy Spirit's draw on my life. Who needs to do that this morning? Just slip up your hand. I want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Yeah, okay, thank you. Yes. Who else? Yeah, thank you. Who else this morning? A couple this morning? Yeah. Amen. Didn't even know he's here. <laughs> awesome. Who else needs to respond and say, you know what? I need Jesus to live inside of me. Anyone else? We've got three in just a few moments. We're there's going to be lots of folks that are going to respond and uh, come forward. I'm going to ask for those three in particular to step out and to come 
and just experience the great power of the Holy Spirit. But let me just lead you in a quick prayer. I call it a miracle prayer. It's not the words in the prayer, or there's nothing really special other than if you believe what we're about to say, the truth is, is that God, Holy Spirit, comes inside of you, and He saves you. We all need it. So would you pray with me? Say, Dear Lord, everyone across the place, just to encourage these three, Dear Lord, come into my life. Holy Spirit, reside in me. I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. Please take away my sin. I want to do what's right. And I want to know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, as simple as that. But I want to talk to the believers here and those that just kind of responded uh, are going to kind of uh, be included in this at this point. The Holy Spirit, I believe, He wants to draw us close to Him. He wants us to know Him better. He wants, the Holy Spirit, He wants to make Jesus more real to you. And I'm not just talking about the speaking in tongues. Tonight, in Get Connected, and by the way, this is a little plug for tonight, in Get Connected tonight, we're actually going to talk about the doctrine of the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the, the speaking in tongues as the initial evidence. Tonight, for all of you that want to come and join me, uh, I'm, I'm uh, kind of teaching, facilitating that class. That's kind of the, the place. That's not what I'm talking about necessarily. Although I, the Holy Spirit definitely is going to baptize some people in the Holy Spirit in the, in the, with the evidence of speaking tongues this morning. I believe that. But it's a drawing, getting close to the Lord. And sometimes in our walk with the Lord, we get off track a bit. And for those of you that are off track, I want to say, come to the altar in a moment. For those of you that are saying, hey, I'm doing okay how many have ever been asked? You're like, hey, how are you doing today? You're saying, hey, I'm doing okay, right? Everything's going good. If you're doing okay, especially with the things of the Lord, I'm going to ask you to come because there's more. And for those of you that recognize, you say, man, I'm, I'm just thirsty. I'm just hungry. I want God to move. I'm going to ask you to come as well. Now you say, do I have to move? Do I have to come? No, you don't have to. But I'm telling you, there's something about stepping out and our leaders, I'm talking to the board members and other leaders here, other worship leaders, uh, different things. You're, you're going to watch. They're going to be hungry. They're going to come. I, I guarantee it. We're going to just spend the next 10 minutes, maybe, maybe 15 minutes in his presence. And if you're hungry, if you need that, and if you responded to that salvation call, I'm going to ask that you come. Would you stand this morning and would you respond? Would you come? And Josh, would you lead us as the Lord leads you? Just spend some time in his presence, calling upon his name. Holy Spirit is here to draw us. He's drawing us close to Jesus. We praise your name. We praise your name. Oh, we bless your name. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.